In John chapter 14, Jesus is getting ready to go back to the Father. He's getting ready to go back to heaven. He's completed his, his, his ministry, his three and a half years on the earth. And he's got his disciples with him, and he's getting ready to tell them something so important that is shocking to them. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. It's interesting how Jesus says that because he, he knows that they're getting ready to doubt what he's getting ready to say. That, 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 that Jesus has to say, hey, guys, uh, I'm Jesus, and I'm, I'm, I'm not lying. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth here. And Jesus says this, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me. Now, now remember, the Bible is not just written to disciples. The Bible is written to you. When, when Jesus was saying he's, he's not just saying it to these disciples. He's saying it to all disciples, all followers of Christ. God's Word is God speaking to you. That's the reason why you need to read it and open it and find out God's plan for your life. And he says, those who follow me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Wow. Really, Lord? I mean, you open blind eyes and cause the lame to walk, and he res dead, dead people back to life. I mean, God, I, I've never seen that in my life. Jesus is saying, hey, that, that's what I did, and, and I'm expecting you to do it, the same mighty miracles that I do. But Jesus does not stop there. Notice that he goes on, he says, and even greater things, because I will return to be with the Father. There's some treasure and revelation in that last, last sentence there we'll get into in the weeks ahead. But, but I, want you to, I want you to catch what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there is a life that you can live called greater things. Je Jesus, Jesus didn't stop with, hey, you'll just do what I did, but, but there is something more beyond just the ordinary. And, and this is the reason why I'm here today. This is my assignment. This isn't really a sermon for me. I've been working. This, this is a passion for me. I've come to release something in my heart for the church of celebration, for the people we pastor. That, that, that this isn't just, okay, that was cute. That, I really enjoyed that service, and let's get on to the next. No, this is our marching orders. I'm calling you to a life of greater things. I'm calling celebration to a life of greater things. I believe with all my heart that 2020 is to be a year of greater things. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a people that want to go on a greater things kind of journey with me this year. For us to believe for greater things, for us to pray for greater things, for us to dream about greater things. And, and I, 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 I want to caution us to, to, to not try to define what that means. Scholars have spent, spent decades and, and years trying to define what that means, but I feel like God is saying, hey, let me define it for you. That's the reason why in the month of January, we're not really saying what God is going to do. We're going to come and pray and fast and find out what God is going to tell us that he wants to do. But I believe that we could pray for greater things. We could dream for greater things. We can believe for greater things, the greater things kind of lie that, that, that is so big that when it happens in your life, it can't possibly be explained outside of God's involvement in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, if there's, if there's ever a definition of greater things, I think the, the, the Word of God tells us right here. 
Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, Now to him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, that's your petitions, or thinks, or think, that's your imaginations, according to the power that works in us. So God is saying, catch this. God, th this is remarkable. He's saying that God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond, a life beyond your average self. God says, I can go beyond what you can ask for. God says, I can go beyond what you can imagine. God is saying that there is a life beyond yourself. It's a greater things kind of life. And I guess as we begin this year, I, I felt like we just needed to come together and, and, and me tell you, I'm praying that your eyes would be open to that idea and that concept and that truth and that revelation that God has a life beyond yourself, beyond the mundane average, just survival kind of life, that God has a life beyond yourself, and it's called greater things. And my prayer today is simply that your eyes would be open to greater things, that your eyes would be open to the God opportunities, to the God possibilities, to, 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 to the life that God has, has created you to live. Well, what's interesting, Paul, who wrote that to the church, trying to get them to buy into this, this idea God can go beyond your wildest dreams, he said this in, previous, in the previous chapter in Ephesians 1, 18, this is before he told them, hey, God, God can go beyond. God can do crazy things. God can go beyond your wildest dream. God, he, he, he says this in, in verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So before he tells them, hey, God can go beyond your fantasies, beyond your desires, beyond, beyond your wildest dreams, beyond your petitions, beyond your imagination. God can, God can go beyond yourself. Before he tells them that truth and that possibility, he first tells them, I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may see how great the things are that he has promised to those who belong to him. That, that's where I want to park today. My prayer is that God would open your eyes. Would open your eyes to the great things that he has promised. Well, why is that so important for God to open our eyes? Because when God opens our eyes, we are able to see things that others cannot see. We're able to see the God possibilities that other people are not seeing. We're, we're able to see the opportunities that other people are not able to see. All the great men of God you, you, and women of God in the Bible, you'll find out that they had an, an ability to see not just with their natural eyes, but with their, 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 their eyes of their heart, the, the spiritual eyes, to perceive what God had made available to them. In fact, what's really crazy is in Moses' life, and you can read this in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Moses in his life was strong. How many of you like that? That, that Moses never gave up on his assignment. How many of you like that? Huh? And, and the Bible says that Moses was able to accomplish the great things in his life because of this right here in Hebrews 11, because he was able to see the unseen things of God. I don't know if you've ever considered what happens when God opens your eyes. Now, 
In story form, throughout the Bible, there is four different stories that, that uses that phrase, and God opened their eyes, or God opened his eyes, or God opened her eyes. And when God opened their eyes, something powerful and incredible happened in their life that I need you to get a hold of if we're going to experience greater things this year. So let me deal with the first one. God opens the eyes of Hagar. How many of you still with me? Here, here we go. In Genesis chapter 21, this won't take me long, verse 15, notice what the Bible says here. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs, and then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. That's about 100 yards away for those football people. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of my boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Hear that. And then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you? What's wrong, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, the child, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. So, so listen, from God's perspective, God not only wants peace on Isaac, for those that really understand their Bible, God wants peace on Ishmael too. God wants peace in all the Middle East. Oh, that's another sermon. Verse 19, then God, now catch it, here it is, here it is. This is the first time, here it is. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. What has taken place here in this story is that God has made promise uh, to Abraham and Sarah in their old age that they would have a child. But 20 years has gone by and they have not had a child, so Sarah, in a moment of impatience, uh, takes things into her own hand and, and makes this suggestion to her husband. She says, hey, I, I got this maid in my house here. Uh, why don't you, being a good husband, go spend some time with her, and, um, and perhaps you guys, the two of you, wherever you want to go, can produce a child for us. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to watch Lifetime movies. You can read your Bible. <laughs> it's the truth. These stories are Lifetime movies. I'm telling you, it's all right here. And the Bible, I love this. Oh, I love this. And Abraham, listen, the Bible says, and Abraham heeded the voice of his wife. <laughs> That's funny. That, that is really funny. He just, yes, ma'am, I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> Sounds like my assignment right here. Just say, send me, honey, send me. Some of you don't, you're men, you don't want to laugh because your wife's sitting right there. But anyhow, that's funny. That's funny stuff right there. So, so, so Abraham and Hagar, they get together somewhere, and um, that's Sarah's personal maid, and, and they have a son, and they name him Ishmael. Now, as women have a tendency to do, Sarah, after that, changes her mind. And um, because now she's got her baby and God has fulfilled the promise and they have Isaac and now Sarah has changed her mind and, and now she wants, she wants that woman and that child, she, she wants them out of their house. And so Abraham, once again, is in the Bible. Uh, Abraham heeded the voice of his wife. How many of you know it's a good thing to heed the voice of your wife? And so Abraham... 
gives Hagar some food and some water and, and, and sends them on their way. She has nowhere to go. She ends up getting stranded in the desert. And after a while, she runs out of food. She runs out of water. Things get so bad that Hagar knows that her child is going to die. So what she does is she takes the crying baby, she puts him under a bush, and goes 100 yards away, brokenhearted, and begins to cry out. Wow. The Bible says that God heard the cry of the child. It didn't say God heard the cry of Hagar, the mother. God heard the cry of the child. I just got to stop right there for parents who have raised children. Perhaps your kids are not serving God. They're running from God. Maybe they're messed up, and you've been crying out. But I'm here to tell you, it's not only your cry that God is hearing. God is here somewhere, wherever they're at, regardless how messed up they are. God hears the cry of your children. The Bible says he heard the cry where that child was. I don't know where your child is today, but God hears a cry crying out of your children. And I'm here to tell you, God is working on your situation. And I believe with all my heart. And in 2020, we're going to see restoration of families and homes and children. God, no, I'm just trying to say God knows where they're at. He hears the cry, and he's working on the situation. And God then tells Hagar, you go pick that child up, for I'm going to make him a great nation. God is saying, I don't care what you're hearing. I don't care what you're seeing because something great is going to come out of him. And the Bible says, listen, you got to catch this. Here it is. When she picked up the child, the Bible says that God opened her eyes and to her side, she seen a well of water that had been there all along. She had not seen it up to that point. She goes over, she picks up the child. She does what God says to do, and all of a sudden, her eyes are open to water, the provision they needed to sustain their life. So here's my first point. This is why I'm praying, God, open our eyes. Open the eyes of celebration. Here's the first point. This is why it's so important, because when God opens your eyes, you're going to see God's provision in your life. Oh, somebody ought to shout over that. Does anybody need anything? Do you need any? We're working ourselves silly trying to get provision. And God says, I can do it in a moment if you'll let me open your eyes. Come on. How many of you have a lot more month than you do money? Sounds like a, sounds like a country song to me, right? When she picked up the child, God opened her eyes to something that was available that she could not see prior. I'm here to tell you, why do we need our eyes open? Because when God gets involved in our life and he opens up the eyes of possibilities, the eyes of opportunity, the eyes of greater things, all of a sudden the struggle is over. I believe this year is going to be a year that we operate in great provision. Is anybody else with me? Does anybody else need some provision? Come on, does anybody else need? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. I need some response. Does anybody need God's help in the area of their money? 
My prayer for you today is that God would open your eyes so that you could see God's greater things in the area of your provision. You know what's interesting about that story before I go on to the next? Is, 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 that, is that Ishmael was Hagar's dream and her dream was dying and she put it under a bush to die. <laughs> and God says, I need you to go pick up that dying dream. She thinks it's a dead dream, but God tells her to pick it back up. And I've come to tell somebody here today who has laid their dreams down. Come on, you've laid your purpose down. You've laid your assignment down. And I'm here to tell somebody here today, you need to pick it back up and lift it up to God and let God resurrect and let God open your eyes to the provision that will begin to sustain the purpose, the assignment, and the dream in your life. When God opens your eyes, Pastor, why are you so out of it? Why are you so passionate about it? Because I'm done with the struggle. I'm done with it. Is anybody else done with the struggle? If God has made provision, we need to walk in it. We need to step in it. And all God needs to happen in our lives as believers is for our eyes to be opened. And we're going to start seeing things we've never seen before. But it's been there all along. <laughs> Here's the second thing. The second thing is God opens the eyes of the prophet Balaam. In Numbers chapter 22, there was a prophet, a great prophet by the name of Balaam. The Bible says that he was so used by God that whatever he blessed was blessed. But tragically, towards the end of his life, he became, a, he, he, he became corrupted, and, and he ends up taking a bribe from a wicked king for a certain amount of money to curse God's people, to to, to curse the people that God had, had blessed. And so he's taking this money and he, he's rebelling against God and he's on his donkey and he starts down the road to where God's people are and he's going there and he's going to curse. I mean, think about it. You curse what God has blessed? He, he, if anybody should have known better, it should be a preacher. And now he's on his donkey and he's going down the road to curse what God has blessed because somebody gave him some money. And he's heading down the road, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the road, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared with its sword completely out. The Bible says the donkey could see the angel, but, but the prophet, the preacher, could not. And so when the donkey seen the angel, it veered off into a field. And Balaam gets so mad, he gets his staff out and starts beating on his donkey. Like, what in the heck are you doing? Get back on the road. And so he gets the reins and he gets that donkey back on the road. And they go on down the road. And the Bible says they come to a narrow spot where there's walls on each side. And all of a sudden, here's that angel appeared again. God's mighty warring angel with his sword out in the air, and the, and the Bible says the donkey could see it, but the prophet, the preacher could not see it, and again, that donkey just stopped right in the middle of the road and then shifted itself right up against the wall and crushed, the Bible says, Balaam's ankle, his foot. Well, that really made us mad, so he gets out his staff and starts beating on his donkey. 
starts beating on that donkey until he gets that donkey back in the road and they get on their way because he's going to go curse what God has blessed. And the Bible says they come to a very, another narrow spot in the road. There's no way for the donkey to turn around. And here's that angel again with sword in the air. God's warring angel in the middle of the road. And when the donkey saw it this time, the donkey just laid down flat on the ground. Made, made the preacher, Balaam, so mad, he gets, he gets his staff out and starts beating on the donkey. And the Bible says at that moment, God opened the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey started talking to the preacher. Sometimes it takes a donkey to talk to a preacher. Some of you getting way too excited about that. The donkey started saying, hey, what's up with you? Why are you beating me? I've always obeyed you. I've always done what you've told me to do. I've always gone in the direction that you wanted me to do. Can't you see that there's a reason why I'm stopping? Can't you see there's a reason why I'm trying to turn around? And Balaam, the preacher, starts talking back to his donkey. He's having a conversation with his animal. Listen, if you understand donkey talk, you might be a donkey yourself. <laughs> and you know what that preacher told his donkey? I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm having flashbacks of me beating my dogs. I said, God, don't let my dog talk. God, God, don't let him talk. Please, God, don't. I just, God, I don't mind. Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. Some of you are having those visions right now, too. You better be careful. Your dog start talking back. Don't you hit your dog. You know what the preacher said to the donkey? He says, I'm so mad at you. All I got is this staff. If I had a sword, I, 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 would, I would stick it in you and kill you. And the Bible says, don't you love these lifetime stories in the Bible? In Numbers 22, 31, after he tells the donkey, I would, I, I would kill you if I had a sword. Numbers 22, 22, 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. <laughs> Come on, stay with me. We don't have that much longer to go. Don't miss this point. And he saw the angel Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. So here's Balaam. He's beating his donkey. He's insisting on going his way, his path. He's insisting on going the wrong direction. But here today, when God opened his eyes, all of a sudden, the preacher, Balaam, the prophet, could see that he was going in the wrong direction. So here's my second point. This is why we need your eyes open. Because when God opens your eyes, you're going to see God's path. God's direction, God's way. Some of you don't like that, but I'm telling you, we need that in our life. We need God to open our life because we need provision. We need God to open our eyes so we can quit going down the wrong path of life. We need the direction of God in our lives. And that's what happens when God opens your eyes. My prayer for you today is that God would open your eyes so that you can see God's greater things in the area of his path and his direction. Can, can I be honest with some of you today? Some of you, your struggle, some of you, your fight is because you're just insisting on your own way. You just insist on doing it your way. 
You're, you're going to do it your way and, and what, how you think and, and what you think should be done in your life. And, 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 and then we have the audacity to blame the devil. I'm a pro at this. I, I, listen, I ain't preaching. I'm preaching to myself. I'll get this in my head and say, well, bless God, this is what we need to do. And this is how we need to go about it. And this, this is the direction. And I'll start down that road. And if I get resistance, you know what will happen? That's the devil. Now, I'm here to tell some of you, it's not the devil on your road. It's God standing in your road. And he wants to open your eyes because he's trying to save your life from the disaster of the enemy. Been blaming the devil for fighting you. And could it be that God is in the middle of your road and he's saying, hey, 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 it's time to surrender. It's time for you to open your eyes to my plan, my purpose. Come on, my life that I have for you. For most of you, it's a true, true statement here. For most of you here today, it's been God's goodness of the Lord that God didn't let you go down the wrong path. I know that's true for me. It is absolutely, listen, I was bent on doing it my way, but God stood in the middle of that road, said, oh, Randy, you're not going to do it. You're, preacher, you're not going, I'm telling you, some of you, the resistance is not hell itself. Some of the resistance is God himself, and he's wanting to open your eyes to his plan, his purpose, his destiny for your life. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on, somebody praise God. Somebody celebrate the fact that God's involved in your life. Just here to tell somebody, God can open your eyes and give you the direction that you've been longing for, give you the path that you need to be traveling. Now, here's the third one. Worship team, you can come back because I'm going to do these quickly. Here's the third one. God opens the eyes of Elisha, 2 Kings. The Bible tells a story where Elisha's servants walks outside early one morning and sees that they're completely surrounded by the enemy. Somehow in the middle of night, the Syrians, their enemy has surrounded them. And, and so, so the servant of Elisha, he's panicking, and he runs back in the house, and he says to Elisha, he says, what in the world are we going to do? We're getting ready to lose our lives. We're surrounded by the enemies. And the Bible says at that moment, in 2 Kings chapter 6, this is what Elisha says to that servant. He answered, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Some of you need to put that on your refrigerator. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray open my servant's eyes, his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And he saw the mountain was full of horses and war wagons of fire all around Elisha. I want you to get this. Notice that once Elisha's servant's eyes were open, what did he see? He saw the help of God. He saw the protection of God. Well, why do we need our eyes open? Because we need God's provision. Why do we need our eyes open? Because we need God's path. Why do we need God's open our eyes? Why? Because we need God's protection. Too many people live in their life without the ability to see the opportunities that God has for them. His eyes were open to the help, to the warring angels as a wall of fire that surrounded them. 
He saw that there were more for them than those who were against them. So my third point, you got it already. When God opens your eyes, you're going to see God's protection. Some of you are fearing, you're afraid, you're nervous, you're anticipating. You know what you need? You don't need a gun. You need your eyes open that there are more that are with you than the enemy that's coming against you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You have a God that is for you. I'm here to tell you we need to open our eyes to the protection of God upon our lives. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear. Why? Because none of it can touch us. A thousand may come over here. Ten thousand. Nothing touches my life. To the believer whose eyes are open, I'm telling you, God has surrounded you with warring angels. Your families are surrounded. Your homes are surrounded. Your children are surrounded. Your purpose is surrounded. Come on. Your destiny is surrounded. I pray that your eyes would be open. I don't know if anybody else is feeling this, but this I'm, I'm getting saved again. I'm telling you right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Open my eyes. Don't want to live another year. I need greater things, Lord. Say this with me. There is more for me than those who are against me. That was three people. Can we say it together and scare the hell out of the devil today? Come on. Some of you need to scare hell out of your life. That's what you need to say. Say, there's more for me than those who are against me. If God be for me, who could be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that comes against me. Somebody shout. Here, here's the last one. I got Okay, we're done. Here, here it is. It's quick. But this is the one you need. It's in the New Testament, the fourth story where God opens the eyes. And he opens the eyes of his disciples. Luke chapter 24, Jesus has just died. He's been raised from the dead. And two of his disciples are completely overwhelmed by the events that has just taken place. And the Bible says they're walking down a road heading to a city, a village called Emmaus. And they're, they're depressed, and they're confused, and they're, 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 they're heartbroken. Their, their Savior has just died. And, and as they're walking down this road, feeling like they have been abandoned, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and starts walking with them. And Jesus starts talking and the amazing thing, I don't know how he did it, but they did not recognize that it was Jesus. He was in his glorified, resurrected body, and he starts talking, to, and all day long, he starts in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and he starts talking about Moses, and he goes through all the prophets explaining how Jesus was all the way back there in all those books, and he talks to them all day long, and they don't know it's Jesus. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're overwhelmed. They can't believe their life is going to end this way. They finally get to their town, and they, they look at Jesus and say, Hey, uh, 
You want to come into our house for dinner? And the Bible says Jesus would have kept on going, except they invited him into their house. Come on, that, some of you need to get that. If you want Jesus in your house, come on, I, I just, come on, that's a, are you, it's a big, you want Jesus in your house, you better invite him. He's not coming without you inviting him. He's not going to intrude on your parade. And the Bible says that Jesus went into the house and began to have supper with them. And here's where we read in Luke 24, 30. And they sat down to eat, and he took bread and blessed it. And then he broke it. Really? Do you see what's going on? These, they're, 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 the, oh, they're disciples. They've been with Jesus. He does this all the time. He takes bread. He takes bread and he breaks it and he blesses it. He did it feeding the five thousand. He does it over and over. He's just done it in the upper room before he is crucified. The Last Supper. They had to think, oh, this, this looks familiar. And the Bible says they begin to eat. Here it is. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. <laughs> Whoa! Come on, somebody. And then, and then the Bible says at that moment he disappeared. He vanished. He's in his glorified body. He just, boom, he's gone. And they said to themselves, oh, did our hearts not burn within us when he talked to us on the road, when we were discouraged, when we thought we were all alone, when we thought we were abandoned. He was there all along. Here's my fourth point. When God opens your eyes, you're going to see. You're going to see God's presence. You're going to see that he's always been with you. He's always been there. I get it. I get it. So many times in my life, I feel like I'm all alone around so many people, but feel like I'm all alone, God, and so much of the time I feel like you've abandoned me. I pray, I ask, I seek, but where are you, God? It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen, and I, I feel discouraged. I feel depressed, God. I prayed for it. I, I sought you for it. God, where have you been? And here's what you need to understand. You need to get your eyes open to the truth and the reality and the fact that God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always been with you. He's always been with you. You know what he's been doing? He's been taking the good and the bad and the ugly, and he's weaving it together for the good of those that love him. Come on, stand to your feet. Somebody shout. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody clap. I, I know I felt this way raising our kids, especially when they were teenagers. Dear God, I'm telling you, for those that are raising teenagers, there's deliverance. Just hang on. Just hang on. Just hang on. God, where are you? They're a mess. It's the devil himself in my house, Lord. <laughs> Times have just broke our hearts. 
I can remember times where my wife was in one room and I was in the other room and we're just crying. God, it's not supposed to happen this way. Not our home, not our family. We prayed, we sought you, we did what you said to do. God, where are you? And we walked down that dusty road so many times. God, no. God, my dad can't have a stroke. No, my dad can't lose his God. Where are you? This isn't supposed to happen. God, he's dead. Where are you, Lord? Come on, we all got our stories. Walking down that road, where is God? And some of you feel that way being Raiders fans. It's like, where are you, God? Sorry, sorry. The anointing has left the building. And please, nobody leaving. I've got to wrap this up. I've got to do it right. And you know what? All of a sudden, my eyes were open to the reality. God was there all along. And he was working on my kids. He was right in the middle of our mess. And he was taking the good and the bad and the ugly. And he was working it out to my, for my good. My Bible says, my God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. He's always with you. God is with you. Why, why, why pastor in 2020, why, why do we need our eyes open? Because we need God's provision. Come on. We need God's path, his direction. Come on, Come on. we need God's protection. Come on, anybody need God's protection? And we need God's presence. We need the awareness that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And there's going to be things you're going to go through in life that you feel like you're all alone. But when God opens your eyes, you will see he's been by your side. When you get the doctor report, when you look at the bank account, he's still with you and he's working on your behalf. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 